The only podcast that gets patched every Tuesday at 3 a.m. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Exclamation Mark Podcast, the only podcast that gets patched monthly. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the Batman of this show. And with me, as always, is my Robin, my Joker, my Harley Quinn, the flavor of the day. I'm talking about my Bo Schwartz. How you doing, Bo? I'm good, thank you. My Harley Quinn. That's weird. <laughs> well, it's just because of that Suicide Squad movie everybody's talking about. It's true. I hear it's a, it's kind of controversial. Some people like it, and some people think it's complete poo. Well, the critics think it's poo, and, and uh, it's made a lot of money, much in the same way that Batman v Superman did. So I think... Uh, I think it's it's just like a testament to how divisive this uh, this DC universe is they've created. So I think their marketing team went to town on Suicide Squad uh, because I don't think that they're well known like Batman or Superman. You know, so for people to go out in such big numbers to see the movie means that they uh, honestly they must, have- they must have spent a mitt getting Will Smith to be in this movie where he's not like. He's not like the main... It's not like he's playing Batman. He's playing, like, arguably one of the less popular Batman villains. <laughs> like, it's really yeah. weird. Like, they're like, man, we better make our money back. We spent a lot on getting Will Smith in here. It's funny because it's now the biggest opening of Will Smith's career. Really? Yeah. People really want to have good DC movies. It's unfortunate that they're not getting it. I haven't seen it, but... And, like, I enjoy the new Superman. I enjoyed Batman versus Superman. But they're not touching the heights of, you know, the, the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, nothing comes close in the DC Universe to that. Everything looks like just wannabe tryhard. Like, it's still not that great. Well, see, I haven't, I haven't seen, to be honest, I haven't, still haven't seen Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. I haven't seen any. I've always been more of a Marvel guy, and and uh, I, I was really into the Dark Knight trilogy, but I've not seen anything since the Dark Knight Rises. Like that was, I'm like, okay, well, that's over. And then they're like, oh, you know, there's there's this new Superman movie made by produced by Christopher Nolan. I'm like, oh, I'll check that out. But when all the reviews came out and said Superman doesn't smile and all this, mm-hmm. I got sold Like I, in terms of I got convinced to not see it because it's also super long. So Superman is super long. Well, the movie. Actually, that could have been taken out of context. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it, it's good, though. Like, I don't know. It's They're just not great, but they're good. But I, the Suicide Squad thing seems like a whole other beast. Yeah. In terms of how "quote unquote" good it is, so I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, it looks. It looked like if you told me right now, if you gave me those three movies and told me I had to watch one of them, I'd probably watch Batman v Superman. It's got two iconic characters in it. I mean, that's probably. But I would be tempted to watch Suicide Squad just because it looks like, from the outside looking in, the more the most fun yeah but um, batman in the batman versus superman does get well served with a pretty kick-ass batman only fight scene versus a bunch of thugs like, i think i've seen it though i think i've seen it in trailers you've probably seen clips of it because it's it's literally one of those 
Batman's yeah. they, they're all hunkered down in a warehouse and there's like a hundred you know gun thugs not superpowers just thugs and Batman you know he doesn't have superpowers he's got his sweet devices and gadgets but he's got a you know he, he fisticuffs them he doesn't you know he doesn't yeah. have like he doesn't put a laser beam from his eyes like Cyclops style and just fry everybody he's got to punch them one skull at a time and there's I don't want to I get kind of spoiler there's one point where he gets shot point blank in his head with a gun and it's just really well executed, like just the way they do that. Oh, pun intended. Yeah. So, oh yeah, get it. Yeah. Uh, also, I I did like how <laughs> when when talking about Batman v Superman and mentioning somebody with laser beams coming out of their eyes, <laughs> instead of going with Superman who is in the movie, you went with Cyclops. That is just great. Yeah. Uh, I saw Apocalypse. Anyway. Speaking of mediocre movies, I saw Apocalypse recently too, and it was. Yeah, a lot, a lot of all good ingredients, but they messed up the souffle in the. Oven, God damn I it! I was too bad. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really liked First Class. I like Days of Future from Days of Future Past too. I don't know why. I don't know why this one just didn't get my mojo working, and it was right after Civil War and stuff. Well, I no, mean, there's no hype and Apocalypse. It was very generic for an X Men movie. It was generic, but it's funny because they also made a self referential inside joke where they go because it takes place in the past right so they go to see return of the jedi for like the younger x-men like they're out you know skipping xavier school or whatever and they go to see return of the jedi and they're like "Eh, empire was better they're like the third movie is always the worst one and it's kind of a referential joke to x-men 3 which was terrible and yeah but this is also the third in the new generation of films and it also fits that bill and i'm not sure if someone put that in there as a silent secret protest that that you know that there was creative differences and it sucked or i mean i don't know or if that was just they didn't real they were thought they were bucking the trend by making a good third movie and also dissing x-men 3 and also return of the jedi was not that bad it's a pretty good movie <laughs> so it's like i it, don't it's actually it. one of those movies it's divisive where where any there's i think there's a thing anybody born after a certain year thinks it's awesome and everybody born before that year thinks that it was crappy and it's because like if you were an adult that went to see return of the jedi for the first time supposedly mm-hmm. like it the the ewoks and all that sort of stuff um, there's like people people found it annoying, especially compared to to Empire. Whereas if you're a kid, or you see it as a kid, like you know the good guys win, and there there is some good stuff in in Jedi anyway. Like like Not the whole Vader Jedi's, Luke Jedi's, stuff. Jedi's pretty good movie. I, I'm like, why why would anyone anyways find something wrong with Jet like? Uh, no, I know, but you you're not a fair judge because you like the prequels. So I mean, but I like I'm, I'm Jedi talking... a lot even before the prequels ever existed. I like them all. I'm, like I'm just saying, the it's criticism... hard to find one bad Star Wars movie in the original. Like you have to be you're there's a special place in hell reserved for you if you find one Star Wars movie of the original trilogy bad, but not the other two. Like hate all three of them. Okay, not your cup of tea. But, like, nerd rage on one of them for being bad when they're all so close in quality and anyways. I hear you. I hear you. Speaking of people who hear you, uh, this is as good a time as any to just welcome back listeners who we, we haven't spoken to for a while. Um, 
we recognize the exclamation mark as has been erratic in the releasing of its episodes. And uh, I, I would like to come here and tell you, you know what? We're going to be much more diligent. There's going to be a lot more consistent flow of weekly or biweekly episodes. But I cannot do that. In fact, it may get worse. However, um, there's reason behind our madness. Bo and I are both individuals of busy lives and then sometimes it's time difficult to fit in the time uh but more importantly because we enjoy it so much more more importantly we want to have stuff to talk about and and we recognize that many times we're talking about the same games that we're playing uh the same experiences um you know we're only two guys we don't get funded in such a way that allows us to play every game that comes out uh and so it it sometimes is difficult to 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 find what what to talk about um and uh and we don't want to force it you know we never want to do that so we're going to be looking at relaxing our release schedule even even further uh it does not mean that we're closing the shop it just means that uh you know it'll be a nice surprise when an exm is waiting for you i guess bo would that yeah, be safe I mean, to say I, I think you know we are it, schedules have been busy and we don't like not making that commitment so i think it's fair to say to our to anyone who who's one of our listeners that um you know we're gonna we're gonna put out the show when we feel like we have we want to have a conversation about a game uh, because I think keeping up the weekly schedule has just not been working out for both of us. So uh, we still, Crofton and I just enjoy talking about video games with each other. And we wanted to do a show and hopefully other people are entertained by listening to it. So I think given the busyness of our nature, this makes a lot of sense um, for us to do that completely for free that we do for fun. So you're included in it. Um, we want to make sure we're having fun when we do it. And I think that translates into fun for you guys. So... So not the end, not the end of the road for EXM, but you know, uh, we don't know what the future holds, and and we're not going to be necessarily forcing every two weeks in, in this as we have been in the past. Uh, so when when we have stuff, we will be there, and uh, hope that you will be too. Um, and uh, we appreciate those who've been listening uh, so far, and, and we have a special dialogue tree this week uh, where we, we will reflect a little bit on the the years that have been in EXM. But before we get there, let us move into uh, the stuff we want to talk about that caught our eye this week in the news. I'm talking about readme.txt. Well, folks, it is the summertime, and as the movie season has picked up, so too has the video game season died down in terms of big releases, that is. Gamescom, uh, the biggest games conference in terms of attendance, is happening in the next few weeks, uh, and there may be some big news that comes out of that. We do not know. No Man's Sky and uh, do Dave Sachs and a couple of games that we're excited for are coming out soon. That'll be fun. But in the short term, Bo, there's not a whole heck of a lot going on right now. Uh, no, like there's some, there are a couple of big name releases on the way, but for the most part, uh, I think it's kind of quiet. Um, games that I know people are looking forward to uh, big time is No Man's Sky. Like that, that juggernaut is finally going to come to resolution. 
Uh, and disappoint everybody. I wonder about it. Dude, there's 15 people that made that game. 15, okay? Yeah. I don't know. It's the team that made Joe Danger. I like Joe Danger, don't get me wrong. And I like everything, they, the, the idea of what they've shown me with No Man's Sky. But come on here. Let's be real. The, the amount of hype that this game has gotten is insane and there's just no possible way that it is going to live up to that hype like people are going to be disappointed to to some degree you know so like i i'll be the reviews will probably be dropping around the time that this episode is released so you listeners may know more about the reception of no man's sky than i do but my expectation still is that people are going to be they're going to be let down. There's no way it can live up to uh, the standards de- people de- have set. Depends what you're doing in it, because like as an immersive experience, it looks gorgeous. You know, there's a lot of cool things I think that are in it. But this is like a big scope game. Is it just going to be a simulator? Like, what am I doing in this game that you know you aren't better served by something like Elite Dangerous or the um, the, the the Star Citizen type game? Apart from it looking amazing. And it's like it's hard to fathom if this game will really be that much fun. It's also not a. Ma- I'm also curious about whether it's a massive online space, which I don't think it is. I think you kind of play by yourself. I think you sort of you play by yourself. I, I'm not sure you can interact with others, but if say you discover a planet, mm-hmm. if I go to that, like it. it I play it online. If I just if I go to that planet, like you will have named it or whatever, you know, um, Bo's schlong planet of <laughs> suckitude or something. Okay. And 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 I will la- land on it, and it will have that it will have that name. So the idea is that there's so many crazy amounts of planets that it's even the percentage of chance that you even land on a planet that another pl- player created is extremely slim. But if you do, then you will see, like, their mark on the universe. So you can leave, like, a mark on the universe by naming these places that you go to, right? But the odds are is it's so infinite, almost infinitely big that there's probably little chance that anybody's actually going to visit that same place you visited. Yeah, so it seems like the potential for online play pretty low. So I'm like, well, what am I doing if there's no campaign or, you know, I don't know. It seems a little... I'm skeptical, but who knows? Maybe it'll serve its fans very well. But that's the big one that's coming in. But like, like think about Elite Dangerous. What do you do in that? Like, I, I don't, I don't play. But it's like you, you can, you, you get resources and you trawl them from one spot to another, well, and pirates yeah, could like, attack there's you. Trading, there's exploration. There's, you know, I think all that stuff's in No Man's Sky. But the the big difference is like you can play online in a massively multiplayer universe style setting where people will. You people will be around, and they'll actually attack you sometimes. I know that's happened yeah. to me, and and there's an online world component to it, which makes it part of the fun of playing a space simulator. I think um, that does. It looks like first of all, it doesn't look that space simulatory because of the arcadiness of it. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what do I do in an arcade style setting. Like it doesn't seem like a complex game, right? And so. Without the complexities that that make games like Elite Dangerous or even Eve Online appealing, um, I'm trying to figure out that it's just hanging out in space. <laughs> I'm like, I guess there are people be like that, but I look at it and it looks very like very gorgeous, um, 
not much going on otherwise though so we'll see that'll have to play out but um well yeah no we'll we'll see and and another one i, I mentioned earlier like this month is day deus ex um which i think will be good my concerns for deus ex um are a bit like i i tip my hat to a game i'm playing right now which is fallout 4 i've mentioned it on a previous show and one of my major criticisms with fallout 4 is that it's really fallout 3 except with in a, a different map and slightly better graphics and a base uh a sort of lukewarm base building function. Now that may sound like criticism, but the reality is Fallout Three is pretty sweet. So, I mean, it's sweet too. Like you could release Red Dead Redemption Two, make it play exactly the same as Red Dead Redemption, give it slightly better graphics, and people would probably be quite happy with that. The thing is that I just re- I just recognize like I, not only have I played this game before, I never really played Fallout Three. To completion i didn't play fallout new vegas and it's really like it's just sort of more of the same i realized that the the the, the model that was so satisfying back then the idea i could just walk out into the wilderness and boom adventure 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 characters needing my help all that sort of stuff that's not as uh, that's not as tantalizing in a post witcher 3 world and so deus ex my concern is even though i loved human revolution i thought it was super well done at, even at the time I played it, I could see the seams of that game. I could, it wasn't open world. It was these controlled environments with very few people. Like you could sort of see, okay, there's a stealth way. There's this way. There's like everything was kind of – it was already old kind of when it was released in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm just concerned that, that that's going to be the case with the new one. I'm going to play it and I'm going to be like, this is still good, but it's just like it feels like an older style game, you know? Yeah. So that that's my – that it won't bring enough new to the table, if you will. So, mm, Well, we'll have to see. I think, I, I think that'll be – that game will be good enough. To be honest with you. So. Well, I think I think you feel your feeling is that if it's just if if it's human revolution with slightly better graphics and more story and more levels, you'd be fine with it. Um, and uh, it's just I think it's weird because time goes by, and you think you think you got rose colored glasses about a game. You think oh that was amazing. I was amazing in that context. But now after playing some of these newer experiences, you're like I expect more. I guess. That's where I'm at here. I'm sort of like, uh, I'm sort of, my expectations are high. So hopefully uh, Deus Ex will live up to them. Like I recognize it's not going to be, because they could do, you know, a Witcher 3 world, which is what I think Cyberpunk, what that Cyberpunk game CD Projekt Red is making is going to be a giant open world. They could do that. And we just understand that they're not going to because they don't have the money or they're not going to invest the time or energy. Like they could make a giant Deus Ex world with like Fallout size, but they're not doing it. They, they choose not to do it. And uh, we're okay with that, or we have been. I think we're getting to the point where people are going to start being like, no, 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 no. You're showing me the future. I want to be in the future. I want to do all this shit. I don't want to just do, like, this little hub area, you know? So, anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I remain bullish on Deus Ex. Although, you know, we have a dry spell next month. There's some big titles dropping. We got Final Fantasy XV, the console release for XCOM 2. We got that Record game. 
Uh, is yeah. the Sonic Boom game? I don't know. I'm looking at a few things here that are mainly console versions of already popular games, but still, those can be considered big releases. But Final Fantasy twelve is like, that's going to be either huge. It's going to be a flop or it's going to be a giant, awesome game. Well, but one thing that I'm surprised has not gotten much attention in the video game space, and I know there's an online version of this of this franchise, uh, but but there's been no big releases recently that I can think of. But uh, Star Trek is is it's the fiftieth anniversary of Star Trek this year, like yeah. fifty five zero. So we're two thousand sixteen, so nineteen sixty six to now, like fifty. That is crazy for especially for a science fiction entertainment property. Like mine, that's mind boggling. So of course we saw a new. There's a new Star Trek movie that was released. Mm-hmm. I saw it, Star Trek Beyond, um, but there's no game. There's no game. No game tie-in. We don't get those anymore. There's no like, uh, you know, maybe there's content for Star Trek Online, which I think still exists and has been going. For oh quite yeah, a long Star time. Trek Online still going. I think. I think unless it closed down. That's crazy. It's crazy though. That game must be have been going for a long time now. Yeah, it's I such remember. Poo. I tried it. It's not good. <laughs> so, start. I saw Star Trek Beyond, which I'm not. A, I'm. I wouldn't describe myself as a Trekkie. In fact, I'm a big Star Wars guy, yeah. and um, and normally the two are put against kind of each other. And 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 uh, uh, I would say though, like this movie was a heck of a lot of fun, and. Uh, I we were we weren't even like we were looking to see either the Ghostbusters movie or Jason Bourne, but both of them weren't at the time that we needed to see because we had one window of which we could watch a movie and uh, and so we we're like oh the Star Trek movie and we both both liked the uh, the J J Abrams reboot the second one wasn't as great the Into Darkness but we still had a good time but but this one was I would say as good as the first one it was really super entertaining and did an awesome awesome job balancing i thought old star trek stuff with um with new stuff and one thing and this isn't too big a spoiler but i had forgotten because you know the russian guy who or uh, the the guy who plays chekhov died in real life like right after the movie opened oh. you heard of that uh, yeah yes oh like his I, car, yeah the anton yelchin or what yes his car rolled on him and yeah, stuff yeah it, well it's very, very one sad thing, it is sad but i it happened right after the movie was completed. So in no way did they address that like there's nothing there's nothing in the movie that 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 highlight either tributes him or highlights that he's they he's in They didn't send him off to retirement. No, no, no. <laughs> like there's no there's no element. But one thing yeah. I had forgotten was that Leonard Nimoy died like maybe has it been two years or a year or two years? But it was a big deal when he died. Like Everybody was out tributing him on Twitter and everywhere. Like yeah. he was, and so anyway, they do a real big job of working that into this movie. Um, and uh, I thought oh, that really? was, I thought that was cool. Um, and in the way that they handle it, and it it calls back to the fact that, like you know, um, Spock. The, the Spock from that universe had crossed over in in the uh, in the first J.J. Abrams film, right, and yeah. he now existed as an ambassador. Like both Spocks existed in the same in the same world, and and like I guess like not to it's revealed very early in the movie, but Ambassador Spock, the the Spock from the original uh, series, and all this dies in in the movie. Like they just 
the new Spock gets gets essentially a, a correspondence informing him that Ambassador Spock has died, and this really like has a profound impact on him on and his motivations and stuff like this. But but hmm. um, I just thought it was really cool, like how it was done and how it comes back throughout. And uh, and all the sort of not, final nods to the uh, the original series for the fiftieth anniversary it did a really good job. I would suggest people go see it. Although, I mean, I would again, I I come back to the video game thing. There's so many sequences in that game in that movie where I was like, man, they should just make a video. They should, there could be tons of Star Trek video games you could have. But I think they tried point, to do it at one point. I think there's a tie-in for the first one, and it, I think it got delayed. It just didn't. Oh, that's right. There was there was one. one on Xbox 360 for Into Darkness or something. It was like one of those movie shit tie-ins. Yeah. 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 But like, I mean, beyond the movie, like, I mean, I just, the say, say No Man's Sky, okay? We just finished talking about it. They could, like, let's say, for instance, that No Man's Sky was the exact same game and the only thing is that you're going – instead of going around on your ship, you're going around with like the Enterprise and you land on planets and then like you get you get out as part of like a three-man away crew or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you explore and you study and all this sort of stuff. And, it, and they call it Star Trek No, no Man's Sky. Let's just say – let's just say that was the game. Um I, I think that it would fit in with the themes and the sort of like the sense of exploration and adventure that the Star Trek – like I mean the games are being made. They're just not being made under the Star Trek banner, you know? Right. Yeah. It's There's more to Star Trek though than the space exploration. What's, and that's where that's where like it's fun to have like Elite Force in the back of the day. It's fun to have those games that, that have the skin of Star Trek. But really, you know, you want the – the intrigue and the dialogue and the plot. That's why those old point-and-click Star Trek games were so amazing. I'd really love to see something along those lines for gaming. I think, and I just don't think those games are sexy in terms of they're only going to make their money on shootery games or the popular type of games and not the esoteric point-and-click adventure games. Because, uh, I mean, they have dedicated fan bases, but they just don't sell on the scale that I think... Uh, Whoever owns is it CBS that owns them? You know, like whoever owns that IP is is looking to do bother doing. So I remember those. I played one of the adventure games, like the Star Trek twenty fifth. It's funny because it would have been twenty fifth anniversary edition. I think is what I played, and it had voice acting from uh, Shatner, uh, Leonard Nimoy, and and uh, whoever plays Bones forget his name all the time but anyway like because it was a cd-rom version of like it was when cd-rom games had just come out and they were so it was like a small game with tons of voice acting you know but at the time it was really like you went on through all these adventures it was designed in sort of an episodic fashion like the show it was really really sweet game it's funny now i'm only recognizing that it was called the 25th anniversary now that we're at the 50th anniversary and now i and now I realize I'm super old. Thanks a lot. <laughs> it's all good. Those games are super sweet, though. Uh, we should really, they should really think about just making new versions of games like that and start. Even if it was a new crew, just Star Trek in- intrigue. Really yeah, good. yeah. No, I there was a sequel to that game I never played, but it was uh, it was well received as well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, Star Trek Beyond and Star Trek in general, go see uh, go see the Beyond movie. It's still in theaters. It's it's worth worth seeing. Yeah, so it's surprising that you find it good because my sense was that like if you liked one and two, you wouldn't like three, and if you didn't like one and two, or you, if you thought one was okay but hated two, then you'd love three. Um, so it's interesting because I think you enjoyed the first two and also like this one. Like, yeah, I think, and it ties into the lore of those universes as well. There's changes that were made, and it doesn't ignore those changes, and and builds builds on the relationships you've already invested in these characters. They don't spend much time get, having you get to know any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is it it it's the movie is framed in much the same way as like the season finale of a TV show because they they skip ahead essentially they hadn't even at the end of their last movie i don't think they'd even left on their five-year mission or whatever and now they're three years into their five-year mission and the whole the whole trope is that they're like getting kind of tired as kirk says he's in his like captain's log at the beginning which made me chuckle the whole thing is becoming quite episodic um (laughs) and uh it, and it, and it's funny because it's it's like they're already sort of like in the blase mid, right. you know after after a series of episodes of alien uh, encounters and all this, and then then there's a big thing that happens in this movie that shakes things up. But it just in in the same way that the season finale on 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 a Star Trek show would. So it's it's uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, those the people who found there was too much action in the previous ones will still find the same here. There's a lot of action in this movie, hmm. um, and uh, a lot of jokes too. And that and anyway, I just found it was a good time. Um, so uh, Bo in the video game space. Uh, I, a couple of our favorites have are getting getting some updates. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so if you're an Overwatch fan, now you can get uh, you can get new items in your loot boxes, uh, specifically related to the Summer Olympic Games. Have you seen any of these? Did you get? Your oh yeah, box? I've already opened some loot boxes, Olympic styles. So, so I guess I guess this is okay. Um, the one thing that sort of bugged me was that. So it's at least a minimum one guaranteed item in the main loot box, meaning they're not dedicated loot boxes with the different prizes, which I find mildly irritating, I suppose. I don't know. It seemed like that I could change between loot boxes, but it it won't let me like as soon as I get a loot box during this event, it's going to be an Olympic one, you know? Yeah, but they contain the regular items, too. Oh, do they? Yeah, oh, okay. so it's just like there's there's a prize pool when you open a box, I guess, or a loot table. And so yeah. they just added 100 new things into the loot table temporarily. Like, that's they, pretty much all it is. But they guaranteed that one of them will yeah, be Olympic. you're guaranteed game. one of them will be Olympic-related, but... Uh. I don't know. But see, the thing is, that's only one aspect of it, right? So, like, you go into the main screen, and now there's, like, they're all in their Olympic outfits and stuff, which Mm -hmm. is pretty funny because they're all – one thing you forget about all these characters is they all represent a country. And because Lucio is the the home country, right, first Olympics ever in South America, they added – the brawl mode is Lucio Ball, uh, which is – Essentially, as close to a ripoff as Rock of Rocket League as I've ever seen, <laughs> but it's a complete different game. It's like it is not at all. They've even changed like you can't shoot. You can only use his sonic like knockaway. You can't do damage to any other players. Um, like you're you're knocking a ball around, 
and uh, there's there's pads that make you jump three times higher. You can skate on the walls, and and it'll it'll there's accelerators on the walls, you know, like you can you anyway. And then there's there's you know save shots, interceptions, different ways of tracking performance in this. So it's a complete different game. Essentially, much more like when I'm playing it, I I feel like I'm playing a slower version of Rocket League in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's cool in that in the way that rocket league is cool like and i totally like if you own overwatch you should totally check it out because it's temporary like at one point they're gonna rotate something else in and it'll be gone and it feels like meatier than the previous brawls are like here's a map with a couple of heroes have fun this is a this is a complete new thing like it's a new yeah it's its own like it's a whole new game mode basically it's like a dedicated map different rules about how the game like it's Yes. Yeah. But, you know, so it, once you've played a few, like, and here's what my experience was. Oh, this is cool and neat, except it's, you know, it's not good in the way that Rocket League is good. And so I'm no. like, I kind of want to play Rocket League. Either it, I'm going to play it, Overwatch or I'm going to play Rocket I'm done. Like, I'm I'm out. You know, like, it's... It no. did make me want to play Rocket League. Yeah. I was playing it, and I was like, huh, do I have Rocket League still installed? Yes, I do. Hmm, I should play that. Because the thing is, is the way you hit the ball isn't isn't as precise or as satisfying as in Rocket League. Like, Lucio's second attack is he shoots this giant sonic blast that knocks the shit out of things. And it, there's really, like, yeah... I, I guess the idea is, depending on what angle you're pointing, you're going to shoot it straight that way. But I, I found it very unintuitive, you know. So um, yeah, it's hard to do like the sweet moves that you can do. Like the Rocket League has made an art form out of its game mode, and this is just like a hastily thrown together. Well, maybe I don't know how hastily, but it comparatively speaking, it's not balanced, or if he doesn't a lot of stuff about it doesn't feel right. So. So I was like, well, okay, either I'm going to play Overwatch normally or go to play Rocket League. Like, I just, you know, once you play two games of it, I I was like, whatever, you know. There's not a 100% overlap there. There's a lot of people who play Overwatch and never played Rocket League, and they might just think, wow, this is is an awesome, refreshing new thing. I give Blizzard credit for taking their assets and doing something interesting with it, and I hope they do that moving forward with their stuff. But as we're talking about Rocket League, it's it so Rocket League World Championships or something are going on right now. I cannot believe that this game is at, at, at this like twenty dollar game about future cars that shoot lasers behind them to make them go fast. Mm-hmm. Is at a point where it has a world championship that people are like actively watching online. But here we are. Um, and uh, they announced a new mode coming out this September. And it's funny, Bo, I, I don't like to uh, – you, you know I'm a humble man. And I don't like to, uh, to say that I thought of something first. But when I heard about this mode, I was like – I was like, shit, I had that idea like 10 minutes after I played Rocket League for the first time, which is that it needed – it needed a Mario Karting. Like, I thought, before I got good at it, before I got this, I was like, there's a turbo boost here, but there could be more stuff. Like, there could be power-ups. Right. And and now they are going full tilt with a new mode that has got crazy power-ups. Um, like, giant boots that kick cars. You can freeze guys. You can, you know, like, all sorts of stuff. Um, and so I'm pretty stoked about that. It's free, too. It's like, I don't have to pay anything. Oh, sweet. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, uh, like, I like those arcade. I, I like arcade D experiences, and Rocket League is. It, it, 
it's inherently an arcadey experience, but like it also is like really kind of weirdly balanced. Like it's hard, it's hard to explain. Even though you can plow into other cars and knock them out of the way, it's it's kind of like everything is the variables are understandable. And I know one of the reasons I'm not sure you're going to like this new new mode is I know one of the things you hate, at least you hate in Overwatch, is losing control of your character. Uh, Yeah, that is annoying. And in Rocket League, that happens all the time when you get nailed by another car, like or you get you just get nailed out of the way. But in this, like with all the power ups, it looks like a lot of them are dedicated in fucking with other cars, you know. So uh, I I am a little I am a little um, you know. Oh, we'll see. Maybe I'll start playing. So here's a few: the boot kicks an opponent's car. Disruptor forces your opponent to drive uncontrollably. <laughs> See, there you go. Freezer freezes the ball. That's whatever. Grappling hook pulls you towards the ball. Seems good. Haymaker Sweet. punches the ball. Seems good. Magnetizer attracts the ball to your car. I like that. Plunger grabs the ball via plunger and cord. <laughs> that sounds cool. I don't know. I think most of these are probably okay. Well, you think about it, but like, say you're playing the game and then somebody activates a magnetizer and the ball just like you're you've learned to predict the movements of the ball and somebody's affecting the physics of the ball or somebody's like. Mm. I mean, I think they they've done the smart thing and made this a mode that you can play, but but it's not going to replace like the main the main game mode, which which is funny. Is you you think it'd be weird that I'm like cheering for the sanctity and pureness of rocket league but i do like me some vanilla rocket league too i don't want to lose that yeah i think vanilla i think that's always going to be the case but that's a it's an example of a good sort of fun mode that they can experiment with and who knows if it becomes super popular they could just make it the main mode maybe i don't know it's true well bo that's honestly all i have to talk about you want to talk about the games we're playing let's do it Talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is Games Per Minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Yeah, Games Per Minute, where we talk about the games that we've been playing. Crofton, what have you been playing? Because I'll tell you, I haven't been playing much in the way of new stuff, so I think you're I, you're the one that's going to party down here. Well, I played a lot, actually, because I was I had a week off. I'm just coming off a week off. I thought I'd have more time to play games than I, I actually did. But I really was, like, looking to uh, to find something to play. So there was a 2K Humble Bundle. Um, and if you don't know what the Humble Bundle is, uh, I would I'd suggest signing up to their newsletter to find out when a new one drops. But the idea is that you give a certain amount of money to charity through this Humble Bundle site, and you get a bunch of free games generally yeah uh and depending on how much you give if you give a dollar there's you immediately get some free games but then there's there's some at a higher price if you beat the average and then there's the highest price tier so the highest price tier for the recent bundle was 15 dollars, so i paid it but you got like a bunch of games with it and uh uh you know some good some bad some i already owned that's the the thing it's 2k so they you know i had civilization 5 already i had uh or some i had some of the other games but uh but one of the one of the games that it gave me at the highest price point uh 
was Battleborn, which released this year. And I also got a bunch of like sort of Battleborn in-game currency. Mm-hmm. I really liked Overwatch, so I was like, man, I'm going to give this tr- a shot. Even though Bo said, you know, I you know I tried it. Don't don't play that. And um, I thought, you know, I, I would give it a shot. And uh, so you know, installed it or whatever. And I played. I played like the intro and like one of the sort of campaign missions. Uh, and uh, Bo, do you want to know what I think? Yeah, I want to hear your verdict on the old Battle Born. So far, I'm not, I'm not sure I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> well, but I, you have a sense of what's not because this is from the Borderlands guys, right? So. You know, they know some of their shooter mechanics. They know how to do interesting things. And I'm saying it's Gearbox. I don't know if it's the actual dev team behind Borderlands necessarily. But, you know, there's got to be something in the sauce there that works. But when I played it, I found that everything felt very... I don't know what it was. Just not meaty enough in some weird way. You know, like... Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I know what you mean about, like, everything I like about it, and I like, there's a lot I like. Right off, like, I, the, you know, the, the graphics and art style, the hero's design and all this, I was like, oh, man, this seems cool. The way it started playing, I had Echoes of Borderlands right off. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like, because they start with story content, and the story is so, I, I, I'm not sure if it's intended to be like this, but it's so sci-fi, gobbledygook, asinine, like, it made me think think of um uh kingdom of amalur reckoning which was a game that i really liked the gameplay of but it was set in this vanilla world of like fantasy genericness and this was this was the same equivalent in the sci-fi front where the you know the commanding guy the voice in your ear is like you need the, to get the Cyloning majunga junga to the blah 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 you know <laughs> yeah. like and he's just throwing out terminology and races and different things and they're dumping it on you and then it's like oh my god and honestly I still didn't know what anything was or what the general conflict was or anything by the time I stopped playing and I couldn't care less now Borderlands I, I started with the series with Borderlands too, but the characters were so strong and the writing is so strong. And again, they had strong right. They have strong writing in Battleborn, and, and the characters are kind of funny and all this. The strong writing in in the jokes and the characterization, but not in the plotting. Like, and it, in Borderlands, it's not like Borderlands has a great plot, but it has a very clear cut villain. You sort of know who you are. You buy into the world. And ever since I played Tales from the Borderlands, it's really fleshed out that world. Yeah. It really feels fulsome to me. Whereas the Battleborn world feels like feels just like a a corporate exercise to release heroes and have them shoot things. And right. um, that's fine, uh, but I just it wasn't it wasn't enough to make me buy in on a narrative level. So that left the gameplay, and so I was like, okay, is this going to get me in? And then, you know, I hadn't played a first person shooter like this in a while. Like uh, Overwatch is a PvP game. This was like I'm shooting a bunch of monsters. I really liked the different heroes. I, I tried a couple, and it was it was neat. You level super fast, so you get you. And part of it is you got to choose, I guess, your skills on the fly, like how you're going to grow your character. I like that a lot because choices were kind of you're like, oh, I'll just do this, I'll just do that, but. But uh, in the end, and then at the end, like you get all these stats where like how how the, your other teammates, you're in a group of four or five, how they did, how many kills they got, how many you got. 
that that was neat. The whole mission was like almost an hour though, which is way too long. And it felt like ADD at one point. It's just like my brain was hurting, my eyes were hurting, and I feel like this game would give you epilepsy. Uh, or trigger an attack if you were epileptic because you're like shooting shit nonstop. It's all sorts of bright colors, and then you're using your skills, and it's like ah. And <laughs> I, I, I was legit getting a headache. Yeah, I was legit. yeah. Now that game is pretty manic. I definitely am with you there on the re- readability front. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't love the health bars and the way they, the, the health bar system sort of worked in that. And I couldn't tell how much health I had. And like shooting people, it just it, none of it felt good. None of it feels good. And and then throw on the MOBA trappings on there, which is a whole other layer that you have to learn. The game doesn't really guide you in any kind of way as to what's good, which again is MOBAs are kind of like that, but it just wasn't satisfying. I think at the end of the day, it just wasn't there wasn't anything fun about what they were doing there. And so no, I I found there was a lot fun. Like I, I maybe I'm 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 sounding too much of a sourpuss. I did I did really enjoy a lot of the shooting and all this. And I feel yeah. like if I was in there with three of my buddies, like if we were playing a four player group and, and going through, I, I think it would be a I think there would be a lot of fun to be had. But it, it's just a little too like it, there a mix of like n- not enough gripping you right off the. The fact that like it it so favors like multiplayer and lobbies and and there's sort of like a corporateness attached to the whole enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just too complicated. It was too complicated by half, and, and it's funny because people I understand why the comparisons made to Overwatch. They're not at all the same game, but they're they, they're both hero shooters, so it kind of makes sense. They both released at the same time, but Overwatch is really like basic in its concept. It's like you choose one of a certain amount of heroes. There's like two game modes, and you fight, and there's like five maps, and you will get to know them pretty quick. Um, so I mean, in I during battle while I was playing Battleborn at one point, I remember thinking like, I think I'll just go play Overwatch and not have a headache. Right, and yeah. that's you know that I, I I'm going to give it another shot because I gave Fallout Four another shot, which I'll talk about in a second. And I think it's it's worse sometimes. Like I think these games, there's a lot of TLC and work put into them, and and you know it's getting sevens everywhere. Battleborn is just reflects bad when compared to Overwatch, but it's getting a lot of sevens on tens and. Honestly, I think that's what I would probably give it at this stage, a 7 on 10. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot right there, but I don't know. Overall, there's just better things to do. So we'll see. I think they're, they said publicly they're going to double down on their efforts. So uh, maybe it'll get better, you know, maybe with um, some new, you know, taking the feedback. Cause a lot of these games, too, they don't necessarily launch perfect, but they get better based on you know player feedback and, and the direction the game seems to naturally go so well that's what 2k did with evolve they eh? did you know they relaunched evolve actually yeah I, now, I just haven't tried it yet uh, evolve phase two i think it's called yeah um, now it's a free-to-play game and... And, and they went from no joke they went from like 200 players they had like 200 people playing evolve regularly when it was 60 bucks like because it had been out for a year and people had moved on they went from 200 to like 2 million because that game, look, the concept and everything about it is interesting. It's just, why would I pay for it? It seems like so little of a game. Yeah. And especially given the competition that maybe eventually Battleborn will, will benefit from a similar approach eventually. 
Yeah, see, that's it. If they if they were willing to be patient like that and like relaunch the game in a day, like I got it for fifteen bucks in the humble bundle. There are some people who paid sixty bucks for it earlier this year. I mean, I feel like it's not long before it goes free to play. Well, I hope it does because maybe then I'll give it another shot. But for now, there are other things that I can get for way cheaper and just play and have equal amount of fun. Among them, let's let's side over to my games because you have still a lot to go through, I think. Um, I've been playing Lawbreakers. Lawbreakers is pretty good. Lawbreakers Uh, is an alpha. It's an alpha, but I got invited to the alpha, and there's no NDA, so I can talk about it. And I think they want people talking about it. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I I was listening to another podcast, like professional game podcast for a big website – and they knew nothing about lawbreakers, like zero. And um, I find that surprising. So, what? Explain so it all, a little bit. For a, a little, it's not a personal connection, but uh, you and I, we like the Planet Side. We like the Planet Side too. Yep. Um, Tramel Isaac, art director on both games, uh, is actually art director on this game. Um, so, so the look and feel actually a little bit. The characters kind of remind me of Planet Side too, especially the. Um, one of the generic sort of shooter guys looks actually like a Planet Side Two like character, but but um, this game, it's just a it's like Overwatch. You got a map, you got some points, and you got to just kill people and do it. And the characters have QWE like style in the same ways. Like it's literally Overwatch characters, except they're not cartoony. They're Unreal Tournament style. They got power armor, but they need to do cool abilities. But they they're they're bloody badass abilities and not cute crap. Um, there aren't a lot of different classes, so uh, basically um, you have like eight different characters. But if you're you're either on the side of the law or you're the side of the breakers, so you basically get the breaker version of the same class, right? So if you're the heavy on the breaker side, then you're I can't remember what her name is, but you're this badass chick. But then if you're on the other side then you're this dude, you know, but you're effectively have the same tool. Like you're the same character, same class. Um, but here's the thing in this game, they drop F bombs and they're just total jerks and they're not that way in overwatch in overwatch. The characterization super great, but I do get sick of playing a killing game where everyone's just super friendly and like, you know, power of science. And sometimes I kind of dig where they're going with this whole, uh, Hey, why don't you go, fuck yourself <laughs> i'm gonna stick my boot in your ass and you're gonna shit blood and i'm like yes this this is like more my speed right like because just just that vibe is way better to me than in a shooter game than than the you know cutesy cuddliness of overwatch it, there is an appeal there like that game's an alpha so it's hard to compare the two they definitely what's alpha ye about it like what is um, well what there's is... not very many characters the graphic settings i mean it required a lot of tweaking i had to turn them low to get good performance at this point um and you know it's hard to know what they're going to settle on in terms of gameplay but right now i will say that it's super satisfying to play the different characters there's one that has a like a like you can swing she shoots out like a it's almost like bullet storm where you have that grappling rope or whatever in that game you can hook onto a thing and swing around the outside of buildings where there's a big pit to get around and behind. And she does all these sweet ninja moves. But it's not as crisp or as glorious looking as it is in Overwatch where everything just feels like animation-wise super nice. But all the mechanics are there to, to make a sweet game experience. It was already really fun. 
And um, uh, the other thing, the other thing that was real positive about this too is that the fiction of this game is that there's low gravity modes because of some science fiction reasons. So you'll have normal shooter gameplay, but then you'll have these zones where it's low gravity. So basically, you can fly around the the map. It, there's a lot of verticality to these battle zones, which is really awesome. And you don't have to have some special kit to be able to fly around in these zones. And so that's super cool, too. Um, just just the verticality of those combat zones was a lot of fun. So, and, and it doing all this, again, without having to be, hey, we're the first-person shooter MOBA, like Paragon or like Battleborn. Um, this, this game's got legs, I think, you know. But it's essentially the exact same game as Overwatch, is what you're saying, except with you know more violent adult character models and all that sort of stuff so my i guess my question is like are they screwed because overwatch came out first they might be because overwatch is a resounding success yeah um it's yeah it's hard to say that being said as much as people love overwatch you know the competitive games uh, that people like playing are counter-strike go call of duty you know there's there isn't a giant overwatch competitive scene yet yet so it's hard to say whether or not in the long term, like for those games to be successful, they don't need to be giant commercial hits if they have a strong community scene of people continuing to play. So I have no doubt Overwatch will do well in that space, but Lawbreakers could also, there's enough players and enough games that that game could actually turn out to be equally as viable. I will say, I I don't remember what it was, but something about the moon being out of orbit with the Earth causing the low G zones was some really bad science fiction writing. But apart from that, the game like this is Cliff Blazinski. He's got a pedigree, and definitely that stamp of quality is on it, even at this stage of the early alpha. Well, yeah. that I, sounds I, I enjoyed it. I, I and I've played a couple alphas. I played the Battleborn one, and, and yeah. I didn't like it, and I still don't think I like it. But I like Lawbreakers, so. Huh. Well, no, that's good. That's good to know. It's good. To, uh, like I, I misunderstood what that game was, so it is interesting. Like I have decided, I like the, the like I like online. I I like online first person shooters, but I suck at first person shooting. Right, mm-hmm. it's what it comes down to. So, I never really got into those games much in the past. I don't know. 20 years sure. um, since GoldenEye or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like as soon as the internet was thrown in and everybody pwned me, um, I lost interest. But uh, but Overwatch has rekindled a lot of that interest based on its hero structure and how it works. So, I mean, I'm all for other games of that type, even just being different heroes and stuff, different maps. So I'm, I'd, be, I'd be cool to check that out. Um other games I played, I'll just go over quickly here. Like I've been playing Pokemon Go kind of casually as I go around. Um, the Overwatch stuff we already talked about. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch still in in the summer games. Um, there's this game on I downloaded for my phone because I got a new phone, uh, the Samsung Galaxy S7 mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and uh, so it was a big switch from Apple to Android for me. I was just looking for some game to whatever. I had heard about this game, Alto's Adventure, which has been out for years now, and it used to cost money, I think. Now it's free. Um, okay. And it's uh, it's just, it's an endless runner, and an endless snowboarder, if you will, with a really kind of quaint or nice art style, I find. And uh, 
honestly, I've been playing the shit out of that game. It's one of these endless runners that like, and I, I really got into these games with Jetpack Joyride back in the day. And uh, what I find that they, the ones that give you objectives that you need to do. So you're trying to get as far as you can, but also to try and knock out some of these objectives. And um, the, the, I find the objectives are really cool, really fun. The one thing I don't like is I really wish it, it cost me like two ninety nine or something. And I, and because it's clearly designed not to be a game that you spend money in. And there's a couple of ways that you can spend money. And I find those ways are really like they don't fit with the rest of the game. So I was a little disappointed about that. But, yeah, it's a pretty sweet, uh, it's a pretty sweet mobile endless runner, one-touch sort of a snowboarding game. Uh, so I recommend it to every- I think everybody would like that game. It's pretty fun. All right. Well, it's always good to have one of those games on your – yeah, I've, it'd been a while since I'd had like just one I could start up while sitting anywhere and I'd do like do a run. But sometimes I'd be sitting on the couch and I'm like, one more run, one more run, one more run. I'm like, holy shit, I've been playing this game for 45 minutes, you know? The graphics um, are pretty sweet and stylized. Well, they are. They're really nice and the, the, with the music and everything and like it's just – and the weather changes and the sunsets and all that sort of stuff. And it's just – yeah, it's it's cool. It's like I played a lot candy, of those right? games. Pardon? Like good thumb candy? Yeah, it's thumb candy for hmm. sure. Hmm. Let, me, exactly. let me give this a doubt. It's free? It's free to play? Well, it was on Android. I don't know if it is on iPhone. But um, oh, yeah, you're it on used, the Android environment. Hmm. It used to cost money. I know that. I remember when it came out, and I remember all the reviews were like five on five, you know, great game. But then I was like, I have to pay money for it. But but I wasn't – I go through um, va- hills and valleys with regards to my interest in mobile games. But anyway, this was one. It just like – I did a couple of the – it took a while. Like it took maybe two runs, two or three runs. I had a hard time like – it's like Tiny Wings and all those games. You got to learn like the flow of them, like how they move, how your character moves. Like you hold the button to jump and to do backflips and stuff and – Learning when you can do a backflip and you're going to bail, or when it's going to be a safe landing, it's all kind of like uh, takes wow, a while. Five forty nine on iOS. Jeez, is it? Yeah. No way. Really? I mean, it's well reviewed, but uh, it's why? Why would it cost money on iOS but be free with this? It's funny because I would I would gladly give them five dollars right now if I could get the model that does not have like. So you've got a weird like free to play purchasing model where it just costs you know five dollars canadian it's 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 the full game it's when i bail they off they say like i can watch a video Mm -hmm. to get another shot at the exactly where i am instead of starting from the beginning which to me is against the whole concept of endless runners to begin with you can also pay in with the in-game currency and you need the in-game currency to unlock stuff like just like in jetpack joyride you can unlock things and um like just added features and stuff and so i i I, um you can buy in-game currency with real money it's never tempting in any way like i don't know why you would do that but uh it's just like some of that stuff is annoying i'm used to it now but i would have rather paid them the five dollars just to have it all go away because it's so serene type thing get back onto the ios platform and then you can you can pay forget that you can get me five dollars so i can buy it (laughs) <laughs> the last the last game I want to talk about, uh, the biggest for last, uh, I mentioned Fallout 4 last time. 
I'm back. I, I decided it was going to be my vacation game. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, you know, get get back into it. I kind of showed my hand a little bit earlier in the episode when I mentioned that it's too much like Fallout 3, too much like I've already done this. Yeah, the shooting is tighter. The graphics are better, although still not what I would consider that good. Um, they're... There's a lot I could quibble with, but I do find like you play it. It's one of those games that like if you have a couple of hours to play, you will get into. You're like, oh, I'm walking around the wasteland. Stuff is happening. Adventures are happening. You get drawn into different things. You know, the main quest is probably not even the most interesting thing you're doing. Um, And it's just like last year it came out to a lot of hype. It was announced at E3, came out later that year. People were super stoked. And then I felt like there was kind of a collective, not really loud sound of disappointment, but like kind of like as people were stoked for it. And then they were like, oh, yeah, that's Fallout 4. You know, like when Skyrim came out, Skyrim was the sequel to Oblivion. The memes were pretty dank too. What? The memes were pretty dank too with, you know, there was a lot of memes associated with Skyrim that got But it's because people were super into it cuz Skyrim say what you will, I don't know what they did that makes it so much better than Oblivion or like in it was such a step forward from Oblivion whereas Fallout 4 doesn't feel that way with Fallout 3 and I don't I don't know really how maybe if I went back and I played Fallout 3 now I'd be like oh shit Fallout 4 is actually way better maybe it's cuz Skyrim happened in between the two or maybe it's just cuz I've now played The Witcher 3 but like all of all of these things have have made it so that the game is like less crazy good as i'd want i'd want it to be it's also full of bugs which everybody has documented but it is funny now seeing these bugs they've always been in bethesda games they're crazy like your horse can walk straight up a hill in skyrim like eclipse through mountains or whatever but fallout 4 is full of that shit and they don't even they don't even care you know like they couldn't give two shits mm-hmm. and at one point like again going back to the witcher 3 which is pretty polished with regards to all this stuff. I feel like they they should start caring. Bethesda, you should start caring about your games being bug filled when they're released. Don't leave it to modders to fix it. Um, I'm playing a vanilla version too. I was gonna install a bunch of mods, but like I get into this thing in my own head where I'm like, well, I could change the way the world looks. There's all these graphical enhancement mods or all these interface mods, but I sort of want to experience it the way the developers intended, even though they also intended for modding, you know? Yeah. I've done no no modding, and and, uh, I'm not sure I will. Modding's for, like, later. There's a point you get to those games where you start modding, in my opinion. Like, you get through the main campaign, at least, and... Yeah, I guess. I mean, like... Unless uh, you... It's a quality, like, graphics upgrades and things like that. I'm kind of okay with that at any point, but if you start inventory management weird stuff like that i don't know i like to wait at least till i get through the main campaign and then start installing those mods a lot of people have issues with you've got the dialogue um the the way it works it's very consoleized mm. and i'm playing with mouse and keyboard and and the way that you're given like when you're in a conversation with a character uh, you can choose one of four different options in, in how to respond and they give you kind of like overall kind of feelings surrounding what you're going to say but not the actual words so sometimes your character you, you'll you'll 
choose this sarcastic response and then your character will be a total dick and you're like, well, I sort of wanted you to be not a total dick, but just kind of a dick. And so I wish I hadn't said that. And one of the mods makes it so you can see exactly what what your character will say. So you're choosing four phrases as opposed to like four just keywords. Um, There's a couple of other, like there's user interface. I already find the inventory management to be kind of hard. I know people get into the whole like, this item weighs 2.3 pounds and this item weighs 5.6 pounds and and I've got to balance my backpack and all this sort of shit but I hate that like and there's so many times where I'm paused and I'm looking through my stuff I'm like am I ever going to use this gun no ditch it okay am i gonna use this uh what if i throw it out and i need it later oh i don't know so i've spent like so much time in that game going through my backpack it sucks so i i still don't enjoy those that the survivalist part of it and know there are hardcore survival mods as well i like the kind of i like the adventure i like uh, you know I like the fact that there are quests everywhere you go and, and, and you pick up weird radio signals and you go to investigate. But it, it again, it just feels like an extension of Fallout 3, the Fallout that I already knew. So, I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll – I'm still going to play it. Like I'm not going to quit. But All right. So, well, I, I, right now I, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Well, I'm sure we'll be checking in with you uh, next time we talk because – Maybe you'll get through this game, or maybe you'll abandon it for something. More I never, awesome. I never I finished know. Fallout Three, and I liked that one a lot more at the mm. time than I like this one. Hmm. All right. Well. Um, all right. Is that all the games you've played this week? Can we get? Yeah. The- so let's let's do the list. Fallout Four, yeah. Alto's Adventure, <laughs> The Overwatch, Overwatch, Battleborn, and Pokemon Go. That was a pretty fulsome week. Yeah, you've uh, played a lot of games, and all I played was Here's the Storm and a tiny bit of Lawbreakers. <laughs> we are such different. It's such different game habits. All right, let's move on to the dialogue tree. What do you say? I say we do it. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. So it's the dialogue tree where we pick a topic typically to discuss and debate in the gamer space. But uh, I think this week we're going to do things a little different as we discuss on the top of the show. Our schedule's changing and and I think we kind of want to do a little post-mortem on our first run of EXN episodes. Because even though we didn't hit 52, because we had some off weeks, we've done this uh, now a full year. We're celebrating basically a year, a year and a half. We, we, we talked about the other day when we did the E3 episode that it was our second E3 doing the show. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, the idea, again, just repeating, um, we're not necessarily going to stop doing the show, but it's just unfortunately not been fitting in with our, our schedules, and therefore we're going to be doing it less regularly. Um, and uh, so I wanted to do, uh, and, and I think Bo is on the same page, just sort of like what – 2015 2016 how's it going to be remembered in gaming and what will we personally uh personally remember if you're longtime listeners of the show you probably know a lot of the games that we're going to discuss here because bo and i both went on long stretches of playing the same game for quite a long time but uh bo what do you think the past two years are going to be remembered for in gaming in general. Oh, just in general in gaming? Yeah. Um, just the rise of esports. Like, I think it's continuing to climb. And I think we're looking at right now um, all of the Twitch viewership, all of the online viewership of gaming. 
I think on the one side you have esports, and the other side you have the games that are fun to watch, um, even if they're not competitive games. So, I mean, the big ones you think of are like League and Dota and Hearthstone being the top ones. I think, I think this time in gaming, at least for me, was just how much of watching streams and creating streams and content. I think a lot of people are going through that right now. And that either may be a passing fad where games are viewed less or it's just the start of something even bigger in terms of, of gaming as a as a thing that we're entertained by in groups and in social circles, less so than back in the day where you got your Final Fantasy 3 and you went by yourself to play for hours on end and not really interact too much. So. It's funny you use that game as an example because Final Fantasy 3, i.e. 6... Uh, had a mode where you could pl- make it so that like you controlled certain party members and your buddy controlled yeah, others. Yeah. And I played it in my buddy's house. I played that game almost entirely co-op the first time I played it. And we had this deal where it's like whoever controlled the overworld map only got one of the four characters in fights and the other three were controlled by the other person, you know? Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah, but then the person the person who played who who played the overworld map got first dib on fight character, and it was always Sabin because um, he's the most who, fun because you actually got to input like the uh, yeah 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 the, for sure he's awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a, I think that's an astute point. Like, I mean, the rise of esports is something I've talked about as well, and how like um, uh, the, even the play, PlayStation Four now comes with a share button. It's all being built into the uh, the system. I think the rise of VR is another thing. Like we've had two two VR platforms come out earlier this year. There's one that's coming out later. Um, I mean, it could be the new move controllers, like in like the move, the idea, the new motion controllers, rather the idea that that it'll be a gimmick and then people will move on. But I'm kind of hopeful, having tried your version of the Oculus, there, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that it's uh, it's going to lead to bigger and better experiences. I hear just this week um, there was a new Doom in VR demo that that uh, was oh, yeah. greatly improved and people were saying like this is could be the future of first person shooters Wait, you know there's so. a new there's a new Doom VR demo D- Doom VR yeah so uh like, in, the new Doom game has like I thought, I thought we thought it had a, a through it d- it's a dedicated VR method of input they showed off at I don't know QuakeCon or I don't know one of those cons yeah, QuakeCon's happening this weekend actually Maybe I don't know. It was one of these things. You can look it up after. Don't hold me to my facts. I'll fall apart. Um, yeah, another another thing I would say uh, that 2015 and 16 will be remembered. I will remember it from, and that's doing. It's partly doing the show. Is is seeing game the the death of the the double A game. So now there's like triple A games. And and then there's there's indie games and there's kind of like downloadable smaller size games, but there used to be like when we were talking about do sex human revolution, like it's essentially competing with AAA games like Fallout Four and Witcher Three and like this is this is what it's competing with where it used to be competing with kind of more like double A games like there were games that were. No, you can be AAA with production values like Uncharted is. You can be AAA with due to size and all this, mm-hmm. but that's why I think that No Man's Sky may be a disappointment because I don't think it fits into any of the buckets that that we we normally have. And now there's no, there's no, it used to be there was a lot more releases for your console um, 
of of games that were kind of mid-range in size and those games have i think fallen by the wayside in favor of like giant games or very small downloadable experiences yeah yeah hmm all right well what what uh so changing that around what are you personally going to remember i guess from 2015 16 like what is 2015 2016 if there was one video game for Bo, what is it oh it's heroes of the storm of course i've played that so much i'm closing in on 5000 games since uh since i joined up january 2015 i was able to to get in so i'm i'm closing in on 2 years in the game uh and that's been a big part of what i'm doing uh you know i've got that show that i do about it that's been a big you know it's been a big honor to be able to do a show and broadcast that to so many people um and that's got me invested that's the in core it. show yeah core show heroesforyou.com you can find out subscribe if you're into heroes this storm uh and that's been a big influence in keeping me in that environment is when you're plugged into a community like that you end up you know getting more value out of the game and certainly i enjoy it quite a bit so I never I thought qu- I'd be this hardcore into MOBAs three or four years ago, if you would have asked me. But but why, what is it? Okay, I, I know we've talked about Heroes before uh, on the show and what makes it particularly special for you. But but what is it that, like, the community is one thing, but that, that say attracts you to it and gets you so involved in it as opposed to the these huge games in dota and league of legends like these are huge huge everybody's playing them and yet you are you know focusing a lot of time and effort into what is arguably a third tier moba if not lower uh what is it that what's the magic sauce that makes heroes uh work for you I think I think part of it was um, I was bullish on its prospects, given that it's a Blizzard game, and if you look at a lot of the other esports, they're all you know master class, you know. So my sense early on was that this was also going to be the case for Heroes, and you know, in the long term, the result has been there's we're still working on making this game a more popular mainstay. I mean, you look at the popularity of Overwatch and Hearthstone, and it's kind of weird how heroes is not that being said it all it also seems explainable because there are already very popular games in this space and and what they've done was not dethroned them i guess for viewership or interest that being said games do have a a lifespan so there still is a long-term sort of investment like league was not the game we know uh, today when that game first launched and similarly with with dota and with and even CSGO, you know, those games take time to develop their scenes and communities. So, um, but also those games, like, is there any harm in them being third or fourth? Like, I mean, the audience for League or Dota is so huge, like so huge. You could still have a very active and robust community with a smaller population, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be, you know, top viewership on Twitch to have a game that's worth playing for a long period of time. There are those people who stream nothing but Elite Dangerous and they have their viewers. Or or um, the Warframe's another one you'll see some people still playing a lot. So... Um, yeah, it's it's just not necessary. Uh, so I think the thing that I like the most about Heroes is just um, the games are quick. There aren't these forty minute forty minute slog fests. I, I just like that, and I always hate spending a long time playing uh, some of those other mobas. So I do like the time to play, and I think uh, a lot of the IP and mechanics in that game are very cool. 
and the focus on teamwork is is something I appreciate uh, that that game sort of leverages a little harder than the other ones. Um, so that's a big reason why I like that. That being said, I think League and, and Dota are pretty fun too. Actually, it's just a question of if you want to become good at one of them, you end up devoting more time to the game. You gotta, yeah. 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 No, so for me, 2015-16 is going to be remembered. Obviously, if I if I had to pick one game, it's The Witcher Three. I've already mentioned it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it caught me totally by surprise. Uh, it's funny. It, it feels like it was early in this podcast when I first started playing it, and episodes and episodes went by. I was still still playing it. It was like the closest to a lifestyle game in the single player space I could imagine. And I had played both The Witcher One and Two, and neither of them really spoke to me. To, like. To the extent that I I said the death of double A games, well, they were like double A games compared to The Witcher Three being more like a triple A game, and mm-hmm. they had made a lot of promises in the development of The Witcher Three. I thought there was no chance they were going to live up to it, and when I started playing, and like you start that game. And you're kind of like it. Also, The Witcher is is part of a, a the the continuation of a story of, of the, the existing novels like these Polish. Polish novels and uh, and the third game actually is a continuation of some of the story threads from these novels. So even if you play the other games, you're kind of like out in the lurch at the beginning story wise. And I was sort of like the alarm bells were going off. I, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, this might not be as good as I as everybody's saying it is. And then the whole opening area is this giant uh, is, is, is a tutorial or a prologue. And you don't really realize that until you're pretty pretty far in like hours and hours into the game having done multiple side quests and multiple stuff and i'm still getting into it and still being like oh this isn't this is pretty good but not as awesome as all that and then that like when the world opens up and you get given your your main sort of objective i don't know it's like the gears start clicking into place and i just i i just ran with it it was like the possibly the greatest open world game i've ever played or one of them all the pieces just fit into place. The voice acting, the story, uh, the combat. People shit on the combat in The Witcher, and I feel like slapping them. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you people. I'm like, th- don't compare the combat in The Witcher to God of War or Devil May Cry or some combat-focused action game. Mm. Compare it to the other giant open-world games like Skyrim, like Fallout. Like These are the games you should be comparing to, in which case – the Witcher offers much more like dynamic combat in which you are like blocking, um, you know, doing uh, doing different attacks, different magics. Um, the whole the whole way that it it unfolds, it's like it's not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's much more gameplay focused than like I've been I've been playing Fallout and Fallout to first person shooter, so it always has that going through it, going mm-hmm. for it. But at the same point, it's like I hit the VAT button, target, target. Shoot, shoot, shoot! It doesn't. It doesn't really like. It's not like The Witcher. The Witcher really plays, and it rewards preparation too. Like you can prep before fights, and not like in the previous Witcher games, it was obnoxious how much you had to do that. In this, it's it, it's just the perfect balance. They hit the perfect balance on so many things, and uh, I just yeah. In the end, I haven't even played through all the DLC yet, but 
to me, that's gonna that's a top ten game for me of all time, and it just happened to come out in these these two years. And there's nothing else that uh, that came close, but it really has affected the way that I've perceived other games. Oh, it was, like, it was we so t- good that you warned had to warn Bethesda to stop releasing bug-filled games. <laughs> no, I mean, in, that's where it's at. Where, like when I was playing Metal Gear Solid Five. After hearing everybody put it up against The Witcher 3 for Game of the Year, and then I finally played it and it was like, come on, are you people serious? Like, I I understand some of the gameplay elements that are compelling and flexible about that. Like, I'm not blind to that. Mm -hmm. But it's nowhere near as a finished product in the same league as The Witcher 3. And it... I mean, it's laughable. It, it's laughable that that people are making those uh, comparisons. I understand their people have different tastes. And The Witcher Three, like I said, Alto's Adventure, uh, the mobile game, the snowboarding game, that's mm-hmm. for everybody. Everybody would like that. The Witcher Three is not for everybody, but the people that it's for will really, really like it. And I just the, pe- and the just, people it's for it's a lot of them. It's not a small niche group either. It's a lot of people who like adventure games. So yeah. Yes, and I think it's the like, you know, there's there's a lot of in the wake of GamerGate, and we didn't, you know, that's another thing. 2015 in particular will be remembered for like the the sort of rise of the um, the Donald Trump gamers, the the white males that feel like that they've been ostracized in favor of like meeting minority quotas. But the reality is that like the gaming needs to expand; it needs to be welcoming to everyone, and and, and the lead characters need to be all different types of lead characters not just you know really strong men that allow you to have your escapism fantasy but but the witcher 3 if the witcher 3 is the the apex the last moment of the super strong man the white wolf who goes in and that you are like i am Geralt of rivia and i kick ass you know then i'm i'm okay with that like it's crescendoed there and like now it's going to be a li- hopefully a little more diverse going forward but uh it was a uh, I, I'm I'm willing to look past all that stuff because there's you know like he's boning all the chicks and all that sort of stuff. Although there's more to it, they're generally it's relationships and it's not as they're more authentically done than than a lot of what you see in video games, which I guess is not saying much. So for me, 2015-16 is the year of uh, The Witcher Three. All right. Well, um, I think that's uh, I think it's pretty fair to say that both esports and and adventure games got leveled up in that year. So, no, it's true. And and uh, esports, like I mentioned when we started the show, I one of my first blogs I did, and all this was about the gaming generation gap. And I do feel that it's it it is continuously happening. And even with Pokemon Go, you're seeing these people that grew up in the late '90s um, and are reliving their nostalgia. Uh, through Pokemon Go and people are looking at them older, the older generation are looking at them and are saying, what the hell are these people doing? And and I just think that that's, if there's a thesis that I have for this podcast um, and and part, that's part of the appeal of doing it with you, where I feel that you are in with all these new things that are happening. And I am sort of becoming the remnant of, of the guy who's playing like the old single player games that is not streaming, that is not watching streams, that is not. Well, I am stre- I am technically streaming this podcast, but uh, not streaming gameplay or whatever. Uh, that that it, for me, it it's just 
I find I find we're at a at a turning at a turning point where um, where there's the gaming industry is going to splinter, and you see all the games released on mobile. You see if you go in the Steam store and look at all the games released, like all the indie games, all the games that are released on Steam every day. It is crazy. So you're going to see the industry as everybody plays games and not just youth. As when we grew up, it was just the youth. Now everybody is playing games. You're going to see. You know, games being designed for seniors. You're going to see games being designed uh, for middle-aged folk. You already are. There's like Kratos is now a dad in the new God of War. There's The Last of Us. Like you're seeing like parenting is being worked into video games. This is all changing. And uh, and it's, it's, it's cool. But at the same time, the youth still are doing – something different and for for me the big the big barometer is streaming and esports and uh it's rare that you'll see somebody like 30 plus that's in in those fields or or you know becoming more common but it's still rare so yeah yeah all right well um i think that covers everything that we need for the dialogue tree this week and uh let's uh we're gonna do an inventory management real quick Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. So inventory management, where we make recommendations for games. Crofton, I think you have one. I'll go first. Alto's Adventure, right. which is the uh, game I touted. The game that is free on Android. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the snowboarding game. It's totally worth the download. You should check it out. Everybody would have fun with that game, so... All right, uh, yeah, and we've talked about that quite a bit. And honestly, your your review of it does make me want to play it. Except I don't know if I want to spend five bucks on it. I kind of had my heart set on free to play, but it actually looks yeah. Really take good. take a look and see if there is a free. Maybe there's more than one version in the store. Like maybe that's it. Maybe I just downloaded the wrong version. See, no, it seemed like the only one. It, like I think the the pricing model is different for the different platforms, which might make sense if nobody's playing it on on Android. You might be the only one, Crofton. You may, in fact, be the only one playing it on that, uh, that platform. Maybe. Could it's be. awesome. Um, all right. Well, you know what? I don't have a video game recommendation this week, but I do have a recommendation. And you know how I love to cheat and not recommend video games on the video game podcast, but uh, I'm going to give a big recommend to Mr. Robot. Um, that is a TV show about hacking. So it's kind of video game related because it, it's played on computers and you know whether it be them consoles or pcs they're all computers so if you're not watching the show you should be watching mr robot it's pretty amazing um i think it treats hacking in in not a glory it's still sensationalized but in a more realistic way they do justice to what actually hacking is and um you know it's got the whole anonymous social justice angle but it's not painted good or bad uh, either way on one item or another so i'm rep- recommending mr robot as my recommendation of the week don't play games watch mr robot then play games because uh, it's real good uh yeah not for kids though i'm i'm reading i'm reading about uh about um the aldo's adventure thing on ios and it turns out that it's because there's pirating on android and so uh they uh they they determined it was a completely different ecosystem and it had a bigger piracy issue 
And so they decided to go with with that version. That's crazy. I guess there's a more st- like you can jailbreak phones and get that stuff, but it's a lot bigger pain in the ass than the iOS. Like I think if you want to just get free software, you go Android. I need to call the guy from Mr. Robot. Yeah, exactly. In fact, the title of one of their episodes this season is literally looks like the title of a pirated movie. Like it would have the 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 share group and all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty tuned in to the internet culture. We'll say that. Uh, they, it's getting it, yeah. It it they just had the TV Critics Awards or something like that, and it it and that OJ Simpson docu series got got good. Uh, got good reviews lots of love mm-hmm. if you want to send us lots of love you can do that by emailing us at uh, exmpodcast at gmail.com um, exmpodcast.com is our website you can find all our old episodes there we have a twitter handle at exmpodcast as we release more seldomly you'll want to follow that twitter handle to know when new content is coming as well as to hear uh, what we are playing, we may send out the occasional tweet there, facebook.com slash exmpodcast. Uh, if Facebook's more your jam, you can get it that way as well. Now, you, you're thinking to yourselves right now, you're, you're going into a spiral of despair. You're thinking, geez, <laughs> Crofton and Bo, they're going to be off the air. I'm never going to hear them. I'm going to hear Bo on core, but that's pretty much... You know, just hearing Bo without Crofton, that's worse than just hearing neither of them. Um, so what what do I what do I do? What do I do? How will I make it through? Should I consider taking my own life? Listen, <laughs> slow down. Slow down. Okay? You you have issues, I understand. We're gonna be leaving a void, but we will be back. But in the interim, we have a show that we do. The good news, Bo and I are on it. Bad news, there's another guy, not as good, Mike Hodgins. He's there too. <laughs> um, it's called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. So goodbadbull.com. Uh, you can go there. Uh, see all the episodes. Like, look, we're talking. We got 150-some plus. Like, we're we got we're rolling on that show. I think I'm doing post on 160 now. 160. I mean, it's crazy. I, look, if if I haven't convinced you yet... You should know that in the last episode, I take off my shirt. Okay, I, I, I just you should know that. Yeah, we did it uh, about nudism. It's available now, folks. It's, we draw a random topic every week and we discuss it. It's a it's a weekly discussion show. It's pretty it's pretty awesome if I do say so myself, and I'm pretty unbiased. Um, so yeah, good bad or bullshit. Goodbadbull.com. Um, there's a Twitter account and all that sort of stuff. Uh, add good bad bull. You should you should follow it. So you'll still get Crofton and Bo in your life if you choose to, and we hope you do. Um, and uh, EXM podcast will be uh, back when we have stuff to discuss in uh, the new video video game future. The fall season is busy. We'll probably have an episode in the fall sometime. Hope to uh, to see you all then. But uh, before we leave, you can also contact us or follow us individually send us your fan mail tell us how much you love us please tell us to come back we love the positive reinforcement and uh i know bo would in particular mm-hmm. bo we're individuals of individual natures where can where can people follow you you can follow me on twitter at bo schwartz and get up to date on the latest happening latest happenings with me that's where you can find me crofton where can our folks find follow, you uh, Oh, you can follow uh, you can follow me at Crofton Steers on Twitter as well. 
and uh, and now that I have this pulpit will be more seldom I may use Twitter more often to voice my thoughts on some of the games I am playing so for the foreseeable future this will be our last master game theater quote of the week let's hit it uh It's now time for Master Game Theater. All right. So this is a, I'm, I'm going to set this up because Bo's going to read it because he has just the perfect voice for this sort of thing. Um, it's uh, Bioshock is a game series that we didn't we didn't talk about too, too much on the show, but I definitely have enjoyed them. The first one in particular, um, Megalomaniac, Andrew Ryan uh, builds a city underwater as you arrive in the city, uh, you get sort of his narration about why he did it. It's all in the sort of um, the the 1930s, 40s style uh, and uh, will be delivered to you today by Bo Schwartz doing the uh, soliloquy that Andrew Ryan delivers to those arriving in Rapture at the beginning of Bioshock. I want to take a second to thank everybody for listening to the exclamation mark podcast. Uh, We hope to hear from you um, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for to all loyal listeners and uh, we're out. Uh, All right. You give me quite a, quite a job to do here with this one. I am Andrew Ryan, and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose Rapture, a city where the artist would not fear the censor, where the scientist would not be bound by petty morality, where the great would not be constrained by the small, and with the sweat of your brow, Rapture can become your city as well. Captured all the